Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I am not your host, Dan. I am, though. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I am George. Hey, George. Sir? Are you aware of the two separate yet equally important groups within the criminal justice system? I mean, yeah, probably, like, average amount, yeah. I mean, there's the police who investigate the crime. Mm Mm-hmm. And the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders in front of the judge. This is their story. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Yeah, and? We watched 1996's Primal Fear. Did you ever play that game Primal Rage back in the 90s? It was like Mortal Kombat, but claymation dinosaurs. (laughs) With gorillas. (laughs) And giant apes. And one of the apes could could pee on the other guys as a fatality. Oh, that's fantastic. It was like Rampage. No, but I played Mortal Kombat, violent. and when we played Halo, we used to like hit the crouch button. This is not a good sign, by the way. What? <laughs> we used to hit the crouch button like while standing above somebody after we killed them. Yeah. You know, for a, a, tea, a teabagging mo- motion. So we watched the movie Primal Fear tonight, which of course made me think about the game Primal Rage. George, did you also finish the movie Primal Fear? I did. You watched all of it to the credits. Mm, yeah there mm-hmm. you go rock and roll travis how you doing man i'm doing okay excellent you? uh yeah no excellent <laughs> excellent put my excellent. hair behind my ears yeah <laughs> sang <laughs> <laughs> so this is one i had not seen before dan has not seen primal fear until a couple hours ago and uh george i imagine you as well that's correct travis what brings us primal fear I felt that we were doing a lot of 90s uh, shtick-type movies where they were kind of genre-type movies. Um, you know, the, the, the romantic thriller or the uh, sexual thriller, the uh, comedy thriller, I don't know. I, this fell into the courtroom drama of some of the things we watched. It stayed in the courtroom, but it also did outlandish lawyer-type stuff. And it also covers psychological thriller, and it covered uh, good acting. No and Keanu covered, Reeves, though. I felt like no it was Keanu missing Reeves, a little yeah. Keanu Reeves in the courtroom, being like, whoa. Yeah, and where was Kevin Bacon at? And no 45 degrees of Kevin Bacon, <laughs> guys. I think our listeners uh, need a quick update before we get too far into this week's episode. George has now asked Travis and I how Wild Things <laughs> ends, I think... <laughs> Twice, <laughs> yeah. He attempted to watch it two more times, supposedly. And is he now yep. in possession of the DVD? I just gave it to so him. So sometime George may find out the end of that movie. As I handed it to him, he asked me one more time to just tell him how the freaking movie ends. No, I didn't. <laughs> he <laughs> is, no, yeah, I did. He did. He does have no, a lot of was... questions about why certain scenes seem to like be worn out in the middle, Travis. But it's a DVD. That's not possible. Actually, oh, wow. it is. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, so. no, actually, no, this let me, is a true story. Let me tell the story. Okay, go, you go. Back in I the bought day, it used, so it's not me. Back in the day, <laughs> I rented a movie from Netflix that I'd seen before on late night cable, and just to like, hey, I'll see if this movie is actually watchable. I I rented Poison Ivy three, the new seduction, from Oof. Netflix, and legit, those scenes in the movie were worn out on the DVD. I'd never seen it before, wow. and I'm still not sure how it happened. But How'd you get through Poison Ivy 2? I didn't. I really only knew okay. Poison Ivy 3 because of late night cable. So. Okay. I've Poison seen Ivy it since. Poison Ivy 1 is not bad. 
oh man, Poison Ivy one, uh, the composite edition that's out on Blu-ray where they took like VHS dailies of the parts that were cut out by the censors. And yeah. so you go from like almost blue, cause it's not a great looking Blu-ray, like almost Blu-ray quality scenes to like fuzzy VHS bootleg Tom Skerritt Oof. thrusting. Oh God, yeah. I don't recommend it. It's not great. <laughs> Poison so Ivy 3 though, pretty good. theatrical release. That's all. Yeah. Anyway, neither here so, nor there. Uh, Back to wild things. Um, the true story is that I went to Travis's house yes. to pick up a DVD of Primal Fear, which is what we watched tonight. And I said, if you have uh, wild things, I'll take that too because I have to watch the last half hour and I don't want to rent it again. Word. He has the DVD. He told me he had the DVD. He says, well, I got to look for it. I found it within 10 minutes. Travis so. has a lot of DVDs, yes. so I said, do you like think you know where it is, or is it going to take a minute? And he was like, no, nah, I'll just bring it over later. And I was like, okay. And so to in order to maybe save Travis from having to look through his entire DVD collection, I said, you know, you could just tell me how it ended. This and he was true. like, That's nope, I will not do I that. Tell you. <laughs> so <sighs> I didn't ask because I didn't want to watch it, I mean, actually, I kind of don't want to watch it, but I was just being polite and trying to save Travis the trouble yeah, of finding his DVD. Sure. It's fine. I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy lending out without, you know, uh, being your blockbuster for the evening. We do yes. look forward Hopefully to you don't uh, go bankrupt. checking in next week with a Wild Things update from George. Maybe by then <laughs> you will have seen the end of Wild Possibly. Things. And you'll, you know, finally be able to appreciate its genius. Possibly, although mm. I doubt I'm going to appreciate anything, and I doubt it's genius, but I'm going to watch it anyway. <laughs> Episode 99, oh, other... Wild Things Again. <laughs> the other thing that drew me towards this movie is, uh, I had mentioned it a few times because of Edward Norton when we watched Red Dragon, and we discussed his acting abilities. And I think this is one of his first movies. This might be one of his... I think this is his first movie. Yeah, it's a real shame that he got typecasted as, like, the dual personality guy. That really sucks. He played the Hulk, too. Which is kind of funny. I I didn't even (laughs) think of that. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Yeah. This movie set the tone for him. Although, I mean, American History X isn't a dual dual personality but it does play two kind of char- two characters one character at two different points of his life. You can talk freely about that movie. I've seen okay. it. Okay. And then, I actually really really like that movie. Yeah. He's Very good amazing movie. in that movie. Yeah. And well, and he makes up for it in Red Dragon Club. by not having any personality. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. So he yeah. has range in other words. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Very good range. But with this movie came out what 96 97 96 okay so i remember watching we had to watch every single movie on thursday night we had employee screenings and the projectionists had to watch every film they put together so they made sure every reel wasn't put where it had to be so that the movie ran correctly so this movie ran without us watching it we were watching other things and someone who watched it said you got to watch this movie. So we go, and we're hmm. like, oh, I don't want to freaking watch it. So we go, and we sit, and we watch it. It was like 2 in the morning, and we loved it. Then we stood in the parking lot and talked about it, mm-hmm. and we actually went in, threaded it, and watched it again. Oh, my God. So we watched it twice in one night. This this is not the Richard Gere that we all knew. This is We didn't know who Edward Norton was. 
Uh, Sixth Sense, I believe, did not come out yet. So it was that kind of story where it's just a courtroom drama, but it kind of has like that few good men kind of feel as well. But it's not Aaron Sorkin, but it's like Aaron Sorkin light. Obviously not, not written as well as he does, but it had tendencies of that movie. So we were kind of very excited about it. Then later on, a lot of movies kind of followed this format, but when it came out, it was kind of fresh. It was a fresh feel. Sure. So it kind of stuck with me. Everybody I talked to about this movie, they either like it or don't. But that me, is, I mean, that's most things, right? There's a. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, sometimes you're the oddball. You're like, no, it's great. And everybody's like, this sucks. Usually somebody who says they hated it, it's because they're like, they're either a lawyer, <laughs> someone yeah. who's, who has stuttered their whole life and realized, <laughs> okay, that's yeah. not a real stutter. So there's something off there. Uh, you know, people who were kind of a little too in. I don't want to say too intelligent for the content that they're like picking it apart or they've seen it late and they know they're supposed to pick it apart mm. instead of just sitting watching it. Right. The people that watched it when it came out and a few years after it, it falls in that line. Of, I, can't, of a twist. I feel like, uh, Trav, you're hedging. What do you mean? I like, think I um, feel like you're hedging. Like, uh, well, I know Dan didn't like it. Well, you don't know. Why that, do you I know that? Like he don't. He hasn't uh, said he didn't like it a yet. A minute in, we were yet. talking about yet. primal, primal rage. rage. Yeah, it's just that's just where my brain went was primal rage, okay. which was a great and game that you the loved. The intro right, mentioning that uh, was a terrible know. game, but you did get a oh, pee on okay. another not a animal, so that was always fun. <laughs> I was a fan of Rampage, but oh no, Rampage rocks. Yeah, Rampage was good. So I don't know, Dan. <laughs> well, let's let's hear from George. George, what do you think okay. about Primal Fear? What was your uh, initial impression? Uh, when I when I turned it on, like the first, like, I don't know, minute, my wife walks by and she goes, "Oh my gosh, you're watching this movie?" I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" She's like, "I love this movie." Oh, okay, it's a great movie. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Don't don't tell me anything yeah, about so she it. She set you up a little bit. Yeah, I was like, "Don't just, just shut up." Like. <laughs> Shut up. You you can watch it with me, but just just shut up. But she didn't watch it with me anyway. Um so I was like kind of given like a, you know, like a uh, a ringing endorsement. Mm. First Two, thing. really. I mean, this and, is your second endorsement at this point. Yeah, and I'm and I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm watching and I didn't hate it. However, the entire time I, a couple of observations. The whole time Whenever I'm watching any courtroom drama, I always compare it in my mind to A Few Good Men. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why when you said, how you doing? I'm like, oh, there's no Kevin Bacon. You know, because that's, I mean, that's yeah, the ultimate courtroom drama movie for me so far that I've seen. Um, it's is up a, there. Is A Few Good Men. Yeah. Now, this one, um, and that's how I know that, like, A Few Good Men is, is my courtroom movie. Because, like, and whenever I see a courtroom movie, I just always compare it to that. Even Liar Liar. Um, even my cousin Vinny. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it holds up. I don't think I ever saw Liar Liar. <laughs> um, but, uh, the, the courtroom drama was a little too unrealistic for me, but I know that, you know, it's a movie. I have to suspend right. my, you know, what I know of courtrooms because in my bachelor's degree, I got a 
degree in law and justice studies and I was like watching real court cases on TV for fun. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I've watched a lot of court cases. They're mostly really boring. Right. Um, you know, all the, all the judge, you know, the judge, both lawyers, everybody knows what all the evidence is. The only people who don't know what all the evidence is is the jury. Like, Everything in there, nothing, nothing ever doesn't go as planned in a courtroom. It's always, you know. Well, yeah. So, if something went not, if something did happen that was not planned, uh, it would be such a problem <laughs> for one right, side and exactly. the other that it exactly. would probably result in a mistrial. So right, but most so, court movies do that for the drama. Right, yeah. exactly. So I know that watching a courtroom drama, I have to just suspend what I know about courtrooms and just watch. So. That's point number one. Um, point number two. I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say like pretty quickly, but yeah, about halfway through. I was like, I, you always, I think you watch this movie having doubts about. Um, now, did you figure Aaron. it all out or did you figure out? that he was split personality or did you figure out that he was faking the whole time? I suspected, spoiler alert. I suspected, yes, yeah, spoiler alert. I suspected that he was playing, uh, Marty. Right. That, uh, Aaron was playing Marty the whole time from the beginning. And when, what made you f- figure that out so early? Uh, it just it was kind of it was predictable in the sense that they were setting you up for a defense attorney that doesn't care right he's a defense attorney he doesn't care uh you know if the guy's innocent or guilty he doesn't want to know all he like he just you know he, he he has a job and blah 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 so i know that you're setting the stage for him to start caring about uh his defendant mm-hmm. right what I suspected and as the movie unfolded um, it, it just kind of got confirmed now I'm totally thrown off by Megan texting me <laughs> well texting us all of us um, so let's go back I had a feeling that he was going to start caring about this guy and that the the defendant and the defendant was may or may not have been telling the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And as much as the lawyer thinks he doesn't care or doesn't want to know, he does. And I kind of got the feeling that, you know, this might have been the movie that I've been talking about, like where the defense attorney has this like moral dilemma. Remember I was, mm-hmm. you know. During Advocate. Yeah, during, yeah, during Advocate I was, you know, saying that that's like really what I wanted. And, um, but that didn't unfold that way. So I just, you know, I just continued watching. And then the scene where, uh, Roy comes out mm-hmm. the first time, um, I just kind of, I just kind of knew that this is like too good to be true. And, then as the as the courtroom scenes unfolded where you know I was like okay well if he's got split personality and stress is what you know puts him into this mode 
Just put this guy on the stand and 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 work him. And right. he's gonna turn into Roy and there you go. He's gonna hulk out. Right. Exactly. So like that was predictable to me. And the fact that, you know, the defense attorney, Marty, couldn't do that was obvious because it's his client, mm-hmm. right? It's gotta be the other attorney that makes him, you know, go super saiyan. You know what I mean? It has to be. Right. Um So it was really predictable, and then at the very, the, the very, very end, in the jail cell that's right outside the courtroom, when he says the line to apologize to, you know, the, yeah, and that he's like really sorry about her neck. I was like, oh man, like, I like, immediately, I'm like, he he's not blacked out. He knows. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like that was and, and, and I'm watching and I'm like, OK, that's how they chose to do that. OK, cool. And then my biggest problem. Was. Right after that, when he admits to killing the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Right. So he just got off. Basically. And then gave this. <laughs> defense attorney <laughs> a avenue to nail him again because you can't yeah obviously you can't get tried for that the murder of the bishop again right that well, it depends on over it depends on if the trial is actually over at that point or if they're just planning on ending the trial because it's not exactly clear as to where in the timeline you are when you see the end of this movie right the judge says here right. are the things we are going to do but they aren't done yet at that time. And then you cut to the jail cell, and I wasn't really clear, and maybe it's just because it's my first time watching, if that had all been adjudicated at that point or if the plan was to adjudicate it. Well, I think that it doesn't matter, Dan, because when a judge says they're going to do something, like, it's that's what they're going to do. Well, but she said it in chambers to the two attorneys. I don't know if that's yeah. binding. I think Although he did go to his client and tell him this is what's happening. I look at it as it's kind of like a few good men where you know he ordered the code red. You know that ends that trial, even though the two guys do get sentenced. Mm-hmm. There's still another probably th- three movies, or at least another movie there that we never saw, that mm-hmm. the whole trial of Jessup. Sure. So I looked at this as they left it open. And of course, they could charge him for the other murder. He could uh, probably go to the judge and tell her what he knows. Yeah, uh, but no, he can't. He can't. It'd be it's privileged. never admissible. Yeah. It's never no, admissible. Like, right. But there's obviously they've shown that they kind of go around. <laughs> yeah, he'll just yeah. drop that in an envelope yeah. on Laura Linney's doorstep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll figure out a way oh. if they yeah. want to nail no, it. No, what, what, the, what the lawyer would have to do is break his privilege. and Or he would have to hire an investigator to, to find, you know. Or it could the, go into uh, the actual hospital situation the, the where girlfriend. whoever's treating him uh, to prove that he's well, not insane. Well, I don't. I don't know. All I know is that what he told his lawyer about the other, about the girlfriend, is never admissible in court. It never, no judge, like it would never ever be heard. Right. So, but you know, 
if they build a case. The, exactly. The attorney can say, can, you know, start, you know, open a missing persons case and blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, and, and if this body is ever found or if, you know, whatever, they can, they can nail him for that. Right. Right. But they would have to do it without, you know, without well, the, the evidence the, of the, the conversation. There, the there would be a lot of, there would be a lot of work. The only, the, but my point is that, is that, um, Roy, being as cunning as he is, just made a huge mistake. Opened himself up to this again. Well, it's narcissism. It's so sure. sociopath. Uh, there's many reasons the, why the someone... movie would have been fine without yeah. that because they never they never paid it off anyway. You just didn't need it. Right. Well, I think the pay. It's not a payoff, but like you said, there's an arc there of of Marty who, in the beginning, he's kind of like the Keanu Reeves character, where he's just all about his vanity and his fame. You know, make sure you write this article, mm-hmm. make sure blah, blah, blah. This is a cover story, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Very, very vain. And then, uh, like you said, he's won over by this weak, you know, <laughs> vulnerable kid, mm-hmm. which kind of makes him care. Yep. And then he gives that speech again to the reporter saying you know i just i i want to see the good in people so you're starting to see yep either he always felt that way and was just fronting or he's starting to feel that way but then the spit in his face is that no you were right yeah but i saw it coming the whole time no i know doesn't make it a bad movie but but i understand the payoff is that you're you're basically seeing marty uh Burned. I mean, th- technically, he's burned for life. Because how's yeah. he going to do his job from then on? He's he's gonna he's not gonna it's not gonna be the the all about himself because he's gonna be more aware. But he's also gonna not care because this person could be guilty anyway. I don't know how somebody handles that. Right. I could never do it. I know that. No. I could never be. Well, they touched that in uh, in Devil's Advocate as well, like the. He's representing people that he knows are guilty, mm-hmm. and he's getting them off anyway. I mean, but it's 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 necessary, right? So, like, it's necessary. Somebody has to do it. Like, you can't just say it's like, yeah, man. I, I don't know, man. Lawyers, defense attorneys, especially, like, it's great when a defense attorney is defending someone who's actually innocent. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, hell yeah, great, you know, wonderful, great job. But like, yeah, you know, like everybody, like. Everybody who's actually guilty says their innocence, right? Or maintains their innocence. Maybe not everybody, but like it happens all the time. And like you, you, you can't just not defend guilty people. Like, ev- like every single person has to have the same, uh, 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 you know, like the equal justice, the equal protection. Right. Like every single person needs a, needs a defense. My issue so is yes, somebody speak has to for do them. It. But if there's like video of them murdering a child, somebody has to defend. Like he, there's you no have defense to. for that. So all you have to do is, uh, I don't. I just look at it as it's it's a it's a job that I would never do because morally I couldn't do it. Right, and I I could never do it either. But it's necessary, and someone yes. needs to do it. It's very important. Anyway, um, this movie. So what are we watching next week? The acting <laughs> was good. I liked Mr. Norton. He did a very good job. One thing about Mr. Norton's acting. 
Tra- Travis is smacking his leg because his leg's leg asleep. Is completely out. <laughs> He's like, come like, on, I can't feel anything up to my nads. Wow, <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> Not that I want to. So, like, basically, just your ankle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, the thing about Ed Norton's acting in this movie, and it is, it's pretty good. It reminds me of that exercise that you've referenced, Travis, where people will go on like talk shows, famous actors, and they will demonstrate what great actors they are by jumping into the yelling at somebody character to scare somebody and then jumping right back into regular speech pattern. Right, right. And be like, haha, acting. <laughs> and the problem is because I've seen enough people do that exercise, when I see this movie, I don't think, oh, wow. Edward Norton is such a good actor. I just think, oh, hey, he's he's doing the thing that they all do. Yeah, but there's more to it. Like, watching him, there's a lot of character subtleties going on there that you can tell a lot of thought went into the transition. And, like, even when he comes out of it after he's flips out on, on Marty and then he sees a doctor and he flops to the ground, holds his head. He does play two completely different characters. Yeah, this the, the Roy shit is is like uh stereotypical, you know, drunk white trash kind of flip out, you know, in the stuff you would see on Ozark. <laughs> Just uh it, it's I see what you're saying, but he's doing a lot of subtle work as Aaron that when it comes out at the end that Aaron is actually the act and Roy is the real character a lot of the other stuff makes more sense well it it certainly explains it explains that Kentucky accent that was kind of shaky yeah and the stutter which is not a stutter I've ever heard it's more like a uh, searching for words it's not really a stutter it's just like a it's not like he's going it's a different kind of stutter to the point where he's telling himself to stutter but he's yeah, doing it on purpose i think there's there's layers to it now i'm i'm not a expert on speech at all but i think what you're what you're seeing is an actor playing a character and the character is acting yes right Yes. So there's layers to that, mm-hmm. and I think that came through, yes, right? Did. And and I think it was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, it could it could be just that, uh, you know, it uh, was actually it could be that Norton just doesn't just it just sucks at no acting. No, I think he was a, doing it on purpose, it's, right? But I think so too. I think yeah. it was purposeful, and it kind of goes along what we were talking about with Wild Things, where. Uh, because the characters were acting in the beginning. They're acting a story. They're acting out. The actors the, were playing a character who right. is acting. Right. I'm so, the guy so. disguised as the other guy or <laughs> I'm whatever. I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as another dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it comes through a lot better in this movie than in that movie it's definitely closer to the vest like they're not as dramatic with it not as over the top but i mean do you understand what i'm talking about like the subtleties like i remember watching this movie back then and when he does the uh when because gear is doing a lot of things too that are really subtle 
like when he figures it out and he goes in and he t- tells him, he calls him on his bullshit. And then he does his, uh, 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 just, 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 just had to kill her, Mr. Vale. Like he's, he was pretending mm. again, but it was like almost like a sarcastic, yeah. A version of it. Yeah. And it was, it was to me, he's like, yeah, but I did get caught though. Like he just does a lot of things as Roy, not the yelling so much, but the, uh, you know, the cutting up that some bitch rushman. Like a lot of the things that he says as Roy at the end kind of shows you that his Roy in the middle was an exaggeration of Roy. It was almost like he was showing these people, I have to be more opposite of Aaron so people see the duality. Yeah. And I think when he talks to, when, when uh, Roy talks to Marty at the end, it's the real Roy. It's a shame Roy didn't come out sooner. Um, because then uh, Marty could have just picked the correct defense. Well, sure. and Would've I do a wonder. Really boring movie, though. This is the part where I'd have to defer to my counsel, I guess. But uh, hopefully, somebody out there is an attorney and will tell me. Couldn't he have just changed the plea in the middle instead of this like weird? like Rube Goldberg device that's going to get them to an insanity verdict without changing the plea. Like, couldn't they just be like, Hey, we're, we're going to change the plea. I, I thought that you probably could. I know that you can change a plea to a certain point. I don't know if once you're already in the midst of a trial, if that would be considered like an instant grounds for mistrial or something. But if you did it out of the courtroom, Right, because I know there's concerns That's exactly with Devil's Advocate where he, in the middle of court, quits. Right, there are right. ways that counsel can quit and not totally destroy a person's defense, and the way that they do it in Devil's Advocate would not work, uh, according to my my friend who does this for a living. Uh, but now I'm gonna have to ask, like, can you change a plea mm-hmm. at any point in the trial? This is information I need to know whether this movie is good or whether this movie is pretty good. Yeah, I think, uh, and this is like, I'm not an expert either, but I think it's really up to the judge. I think that once, you know, new evidence is uh, discovered, then it is, you know, brought to, you know, all parties, the judge, the prosecution, the defense, whoever finds it or whatever, they want to present new evidence that wasn't there at the start of the trial. I think it's up to the judge to admit it. And I think that it's up to the judge to decide whether the evidence um, you know, warrants, you know, uh, a change in plea. Although I don't think that pursuing the insanity defense is changing a plea anyway. I think an insanity defense is simply a strategy of not just guilty discovery. defense. Like come to this no, conclusion. I think that, that, that not guilty, uh, plea is it's the same. Right. You're still not saying guilty. not guilty. You're just changing You're still your saying not strategy. guilty. If you yeah. say anything other than guilty or not guilty. There's no reason why there's no reason why if new evidence that is admitted by the judge points to insanity that the defense couldn't just pivot to that as right. their uh, to support their not guilty defense or their not guilty uh plea. Now, so, I'm going to jump in here and I'm just going to point out that uh, in the future, when we have movies that have like highly technical concerns like this, we probably ought to like know that ahead of time and get a guest on here that can actually t- speak yeah. to this. So we're not speculating 
uh, for well, an hour. It is an opinion show. It's not like we well, have to do Well, but they, we're, we're speculating about facts. So that's the problem. True. <laughs> you know, I, I really would. I really would like to have an attorney. Yeah. Here present. Actually, you knows. want an attorney present? <laughs> I, I would. And you know what? I'm not going to say another word until my uh, my I'll counsel shows up. All right. We'll see you next week. No, my, I have two. My big, question. Oh, go ahead. My question is, and maybe you guys can clear it up for me because I never really thought about it until I watched it last night. I think Roy had a plan. And the finding of that tape screwed everything up. Is that true or no? Well, okay, and this brings me to one of my two... I have two big picture problems with this movie. The first of which, if you want to talk about a plan that he has, at the beginning of the movie, he is going to end up with a public defender. Dude has no resources. And he just lucks into a vain defense attorney who approaches him of his own accord. If you take the vain Richard Gere character out of this movie, his plan, so to speak, is to murder, I guess, that lady and then murder that bishop guy and then have no money and end up with a public defender and hope that he can convince... I mean, is he planning to pull out this multiple personality with a public defender? Because I don't... Probably. I don't see that working for him. I think his original plan was to not get caught. Eh... I don't so know, all the running covered in blood doesn't really make you, he's not a smooth operator, you know? No. I mean, it's I, possible. I think he, this was his the, his concoction of a defense once he got caught. I don't think he planned on getting caught. Like, detective! I don't think he was like John Doe where he went in and he had a plan to get caught. It's just a shame. Yeah, it, it just, it's, I don't know, it's funny. It's funny to me that, First of all, the judge doesn't allow a psychiatric evalu- evaluation before the trial starts. That's stupid. Yeah, I feel like the judge in this movie gets real, really poorly written. Like, it just, yeah. it doesn't seem technically correct. And maybe it is. Maybe this is well-researched and uh, this is just, like, the worst-case scenario for judge behavior. But a lot of this seemed pretty sketchy. Which brings me to my second big-picture problem, which is the videotape being admissible evidence even though it's not present at Discovery, and it's stolen from a crime scene by an investigator who works for the defense. Like, that whole thing. Super-duper sketch. I just can't imagine, in the way it's presented in this movie, that that would remain admissible, but I would need to ask a trial attorney what they think. I agree with you, Dan. I think it absolutely would not be. But it gave us a chance to see some boobies. (laughs) <laughs> but was <laughs> did they actually play it in court? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember they, him watching it in the lawyer's office, but I wasn't sure. No, they said uh, they took a recess and they set up the video so that okay. the. But they didn't. They didn't show the jury seeing it. But they. They implied they, that it was they watched. implied that okay. you know when we come back from recess we're going to watch it and. They never showed that, but you assume that that happened. Now, you may say, oh, geez, there goes Dan talking about boobies again. But it's actually kind of important that that happens in this movie. Uh, And the reason that is important is because if it didn't have that nudity and a couple of the curse words, this would be a Law & Order episode with Mm -hmm. a little Mm -hmm. bit of Matlock because at one point he tries to convince everybody that Frazier's dad killed. I was somebody. just right. gonna say that, and a little bit of Frazier. So you've got Matlock, 
and you've got Law and Order. <laughs> Frasier's dad. Frasier. Uh, who I think his okay. name was Marty, wasn't it? In Frasier. Yeah. I don't know. Martin Crane. Yeah. yeah. Martin Crane. Martin yeah. Crane, yeah. Who? And Eddie, his dog. He was a cop. Eddie's dog. On mm-hmm. that show. He's my favorite yeah. character. Well, the, director, the director of this movie, I found out, is uh, got started on TV, and, and he was a director for NYPD Blue and Hill Street Blues, producer as well. Well, and so that is had, actually, that, that was going to be my next point uh, about this movie. Beyond it just being a Law and Order episode with a couple of curse words and a booby and a really gross severed hand at one point. Hmm. The thing about this movie that really irked me as we got to the end, there's a certain amount of like heightening that Hollywood movies have versus TV entertainment. It's like the, besides the content, it's the quickest thing you can point to and be like, yes, this is a, an hour long serial TV show. And this is a movie, right? And in Hollywood movies, you need a certain amount of dynamic range in the activities of the movie. You know, you need, you need big action. Mm-hmm. And this, this movie just doesn't have it. It's too much. Gra- it's too grounded. In a way... It's, it's not enough The Firm. Like, even The Firm, like a John Grisham movie based on one of his books, have, even though it's a thriller, psychological thriller, or a courtroom thriller, or whatever, it still has some chase, some action, some right. play. And A Few Good Men has, like, locations and, you know, yeah. all these interconnecting drama points, and this one, it but really is... But all the action is... in that movie happened in the courtroom, though. Well, yeah, but so. you have other... You have, you have the diversity of locations to see some of Cuba, some of this base. Mm-hmm. You have the apartment scene. You have all these different, like... Points of drama, not just in the courtroom, but then like the big actions, the courtroom. But in this one, I just felt like it was a lot of like realistic people doing their jobs pretty realistically. The scale was off. You know, if it was clerks, it would be like, oh, I shouldn't even be here today. (laughs) Oh, that's my nine hours. Oh, I have to stay an extra hour. Okay. Hold on a second. My drawer's off $10. Randall. You know? <laughs> like, Dan, I think, I think that the, the, the highest height that it got above normal for, like, that you say it should for a movie was when uh, Frazier's dad was talking to uh, Marty and said, don't fuck with me. Yeah. And even that was, I think, a pretty realistic conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even with the mafia guys, it wasn't like over the top. It was no. just like they're just playing pool and yep. they're. I had about one their plea. a couple of years ago. <laughs> I remember it was like you know nine a.m., eight thirty a.m., and I got motherfucked by a caller at work, and I was just like, "Oh, it's not even ten a.m., and I'm already getting." <laughs> and it's like, yeah, if you made a movie about my real life, you'd probably put that in, but that wouldn't be the <laughs> pinnacle of the adventure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that was my main concern with this movie. It's got a great cast. I recognize all these people. Sure, a lot of them are TV folks, but there's some real deal Hollywood folks in there too. Uh, but it's just like, why isn't this just a TV show? Justify me going to a theater for more than one shot of boobs, one really violent hand thing, and a couple of F-words. Hmm. I, I, I feel you. I tend to agree. Well... As the resident old guy and the only one who actually watched this in a theater <laughs> with people, uh, we liked it. 
back then. <laughs> I, yeah, dude, it's I think, fine. Like, I, no, I mean, how, we how saw it as a movie. We how, saw it like a few good men. Yeah, we didn't see it like how a TV old, show. How old were you back then? Yeah, my 20s. When you saw this. You were in your 20s. Okay. Well, 96, I was uh, 21. So we're all much older, right? Me and Dan are both like, what, 34, 35, mm-hmm. right? So I think that when I was in my 20s, I didn't know anything. Like, like about the system or about courts about anything. Right. I only knew from what I saw in movies or TV shows. Right. So if you're looking at it with, with only 20 years experience on this earth, yeah, a lot of this stuff just, you know, probably just didn't even, didn't even pull a red flag. I don't go to pick apart like the realism of someone's, I always went to see a good performance, a dialogue that didn't want to make me throw up or punch a baby. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know a, a good story. Now, if well, it's an action film, yeah, I want to see car chases. I, I think see this and I that. think this movie provided all three of those yeah, things. This is I never went to it seeing. I wasn't going to watch it as Fast and the Furious. I knew that it was going to be a character movie. I've known whether my age or not. I know character movies and I know action movies and I know horror films, and I know what I'm going to get by what I'm breaking them up that way. The ones that are great are movies like Aliens, where it's a great action movie, it's an amazing science fiction movie, and fuck me if every character isn't amazing and every performance is perfect. Yeah. You're not going to get that all the time. Tombstone. It's a Western. It's got everybody in it I love. The story's awesome. The action's great. The dialogue's great. The characters are phenomenal. Everybody in it is phenomenal. You're not going to get that in every Western. They obviously. can't all be sing too, guys. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> did so, you, did you know that my favorite movie of all time? I don't know if you guys remember me telling you a bunch of times. Uh, American Beauty. Yeah, we know. Never it was heard of actually it. a courtroom drama before they cut out like thirty minutes of the movie. Oh wow! Really? Everything what, like a custody battle or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> everything that you see in uh in American Beauty when you're watching it mm-hmm. is the is all of the stuff that happens outside the courtroom. Okay. While the well, what's the case? The case the, is the, the case is the daughter. I believe is either the daughter or the boyfriend of the daughter being tried for Kevin Spacey's murder, right? And all of the stuff that you're seeing was what was actually going on while, you know. Okay. What was well, you know, the the point in time where that what that the case is referring to, the director. I was watching uh a, like a documentary thing on it, and the director said that it's the best movie that he didn't mean to make. Right. Oh, that's funny. So, hmm. I did like the twist at the end because it reminded me of the, this isn't your mask, that's your mask thing from Batman Begins. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I the only reason I enjoy the ending is the sarcasm of it, like the the slow clap. Yeah, the good slow clap was for good, you, Marty. It was good, him. man. Like it was just it, it was like a I don't know. It wasn't anywhere near as good as the Sixth Sense twist because you saw it coming. You saw something sure. coming. Yeah, the twist was Aaron never existed. Now, because the stereotype would be, let me create this crazy guy. And then I'm really Aaron, but the crazy guy is the crazy guy. He's the murderer. But yeah. The twist was no. 
I'm going to be the crazy guy that creates the wimp. And yeah. the wimp is the fake character. That, and that was, was a good twist. That was a bit of a twist. And it wasn't like too far-fetched of a twist. It was cool. Right. It, it was good. And the other reason I like it so much is like I was saying before, you see the the real Roy at the end, which shows you that even the Roy in the middle is not the real Roy. And to yeah. me, that, that sh- puts layers on there as well. So Yeah, but they, they did it in a way, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to compliment the movie. Uh, okay. Didn't know we needed a disclaimer on that. Which <laughs> I haven't, which I don't feel like I've really done enough because I really, it's a good movie. It's fine. Um, but the, uh, they did the Roy character in a way and the twist in a way that didn't discount all of the time that you spent watching the Roy character, right? right. So in some movies, like uh, Wild Things, <clears throat> they um, oh, that's way sloppier. You guess. watch, you watch these characters, and then like, boom, there's a twist, and it's like, okay, so everything I just watched was like mm-hmm. worthless. Like all the character development that they did on this character is just like. All right, throw that shit out the window. You could say it's further enhanced by... It's like when Subway said they doubled their menu because now they had a toaster. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a turkey sandwich, but now Now it's it's toasty. (laughs) But no, there are some movies where, like, that's why... that's. I mean, we talked about it with with Advocate, right? So, you know, when a movie ends and and it was all just a dream, I feel like, cheap. what the hell did I just watch for an hour and a right. half for for what reason like it, it, you know maybe there's a lesson in there somewhere but like really an hour and a half right and then or you know yeah wake up from a dream or daydream or uh or this person's crazy and none of this ever happened yeah sometimes that can be good but a lot of times like i mean and this movie i didn't feel like that even though they twisted me at the end and the character wasn't who I thought he was, it didn't discount everything that happened right. with that character. I still feel like the time I spent watching that character was worth it. So there's your compliment. Because they successfully did uh, what they wanted to do, which was every experience that Marty was having, you were having. You never really yeah. got to see the narrator be Roy or Aaron. It was always Marty. Yeah. So. Anything he's going through, that's what you're feeling. So the confusion or the distrust or the total manipulation, everything that he experiences, you experience. And I think they did that on purpose. So that makes that ending better because it shows you, it reveals, it does the uh, the villain reveal, mm-hmm. but it does it in a way where you feel, it's not cheap. You yeah, feel betrayed, but what it you ac- feel everything What it feeling. actually does is it is it reveals a... It, it it reveals something about Marty that you didn't know. Rather, it makes the Marty character deeper, or it, it gives you more uh, empathy towards right. Marty, right? So it's not so much that the villain isn't who you thought he was, or it's, or, you know, that twist there. So, like, Roy and, uh, Roy and Aaron you know, this or that, A or B, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, none of that really matters. What really matters is is Marty's arc. Right. And that validates 
or deepens Marty's arc. Yes. That you just watched over the hour, the last hour and a half or two hours. And that's why it works. And he's good enough to where he's able to convey that without any words. There's a yeah. there, there's a scene at in that scene when when uh <laughs> when Roy's explaining to him uh you know, the whole the whole thing <laughs> and they cuts the Richard Gear and he's just like he shakes his head, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give it to me because I'm an asshole. Like I completely. Yeah, he says that with his face. He doesn't say it in any words whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But and he, he could have said it with those words because it's an R-rated movie, right? Not a TV it. show. He could have right. said asshole. But <laughs> technically, when this came out, you could say that on TV. NYPD Blue. That's had, a good point. NYPD Blue said the S word. I think yeah, and showed yeah. butts and butts. side boob. <laughs> See, yeah. that's the difference. He he had to make a real movie so he could show the front of the boob. Mm. Here's the thing, though, guys. This movie hints at these big conspiracy moments. You know, it, like, hints at movie tier, like, oh, real estate scheme combined with murder plot combined with an old... That's all distraction. Sex well, it's a distraction, but the problem yeah. is, in a movie where nothing is happening except one guy is lying about a murder he obviously committed... Fatality. These distractions that pop up hint at, like, ooh, maybe this is a movie because it's going to go from a courtroom where one guy's lying to like a bigger picture type thing. And then it just, Oh, he was just lying the the whole time. Now I, I don't think those things were placed there for anything other than to divert your attention for people like George who figured it out or could figure it out. Cause yeah. if it was not a complex story and it was basically just the insanity plea story, you're going to see through a lot of it. And I think those stories, subplots kind of keep your attention away from Roy and Aaron because, you know, you don't know who, you know, the, yeah. the mafia guy gets yeah. killed and then they turn uh, Fraser's dad into a villain. Yeah, like they, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I they hear turn the bishop I, into I a hear villain. you, they're trying, they're, <laughs> they, yeah, it's distracting, distraction, it's look over here while what's actually going right. on. Um, But I, I, I hear Dan and, and the fact that like none of that's really paid off right. is kind of annoying to me. Um, I prefer, uh, what was that movie? It was a Jalla that you showed me where it was, what you thought it was, was a, oh, well, I can't like say a, because people might not have seen that movie yet, but I know the one you're talking about. And yeah, no, exactly. And see, the thing is you don't even have to pay it <laughs> off. Uh, sorry. Uh, for everybody that hasn't seen the movie, we're not going to tell you the title of, we'll talk about it later. Uh, okay. But the thing is, I don't even need you to pay it off. Really? The problem I have with it is it hints at movie scale and then it is just a and distraction. And it doesn't deliver. It's like it doesn't deliver, in yeah. Wayne's world, you remember that scene where he opens the door and the guys are training with all their military stuff and he's like, oh, I just always wanted to open door where people are training like in James Bond movies, right? Like that's a funny joke because they pay it off that way. But if he just opened that door and showed you those dudes and then shut the door and went on, and then you never got the army guys. You'd be like, "Well, why did why did you show me something cooler than what you actually did?" You know, like that was kind of my problem with it. Was I was like, "Oh, cool, we're finally getting somewhere. This is going to be more complicated than just a guy with a mental illness and maybe not with a mental illness." Oh no, just kidding. We're just gonna stay with exactly Law and Order for the next half hour. It did have a good lawyer character arc, though. Yeah, no, he had a good arc, in, and in, I like the way they pay order, off his arc. It's more like special victims unit. I, I think, think I think in Law and Order, <laughs> the 
the With the cops acting. the cops have arcs like this, but it's over the course of seasons, right? right. And and this happened just in two hours. It, I you know I I didn't hate this movie. Let's give it a star rating out of four stars, Dan. How many stars would you give this movie? I'd give it two and a half. Out of four, I would I would give it three. Out of four, mm-hmm. I'd give it a three. Yeah, yeah, I would watch yeah. it again. You know, it's I still don't movie. know why it's, it's called Primal Fear. I, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I think because that's what the book's called. Me neither. <laughs> I would it's be interested to see if the book fleshes out more of that and maybe it does right. play into it more than it does in the movie and they just couldn't fit it in because it's already kind of a long movie. But Well, what's the definition of primal fear? Is that like instinctual survival? That's what I'm trying know. to think is like, is this supposed, is, is his instinct to survive causing him to play out this dual personality thing? That just seems to me like uh, overdoing it. You could just say he's a crazy person. I don't know. Here's the funny well, part, though. It's two hours long, right? And so, like, the first hour, you think it's, like, a criminal case. And then the second half, you think it's a sex crimes case. And so it really is, like, Law & Order doubling up with Law & Order SVU <laughs> in the same SVU. double yeah. feature evening <laughs> with boobs and an F word. It's like one of those crossover nights. Yeah, it is. Tonight, crossover. <laughs> you know, there's a, a, a couple of episodes of Community. Oh where boy. they do, do here we go. Where they do the episode in the style of another show. Mm. So all the camera work and all the lighting mm-hmm. and all the stuff is you know, and they do they do oh, I'm sure they, they do SBU. They probably do the noise too. They do up <laughs> they do a couple different ones. Well and NBC and does their Chicago evening now where it's like the Chicago Fire, Chicago P D, Chicago EMS or whatever the Yeah. The ER kind of... Chicago librarians. Not ER, but the new version of ER that they do live. And so, again, it's in Chicago. So, I mean, why not, you know? Yeah. Um, I noticed a lot of overlap with the folks that made The Fugitive in this movie. And I was just like, man, but The Fugitive has the scale. If you never saw The Fugitive, that should be our next movie. Have I seen that? Okay. Who's in it? Well, that's what we're watching next week. Okay, because that's that's a good. It's movie very similar pl- in a lot of ways, but then it's much more of a movie than it is a TV yeah. show. Harrison Ford, he's looking at me. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen it. If I did if you, see it, it if was you don't know. It was probably a very long time we'll ago. We'll watch it because you would know. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, there. Hey, we okay, just skipped cool. right to the end. But George, uh, <laughs> next week you're watching a movie. It's a movie. Did we really just do that? <laughs> and it's literally a movie. End. That you're going to watch, not a TV show split over two hours. That's funny. Did we really just spontaneously dis- decide on that? Yeah, That's we did. Great. I think so. Perfect. <laughs> and it's it's good because I've been following uh, Daniel Roebuck a lot on Facebook, and he's in that movie, and he's one of my favorites. No word. So. Cool. He's the one that just was in New Jersey at that Western place that I sent you at. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Westworld. Westworld, New Jersey. Westworld, New Jersey. Right outside of Blairstown. Well, I'm excited oh. for the future. What a nice surprise. Hooray. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. We just executive decisioned it. Nice. Nice. Sweet. A movie that you both like. Yeah, so you better not hate it or we will <laughs> really <laughs> let you have it. Yeah, usually uh, it's been a while <laughs> since we've had that. I'm in for it. There's nothing to hate about this movie. So, yes, yeah, no, it's, it's this one good. coming up. Yeah. Finally, I would like to uh, thank the listeners. 
Yes. As I as I have come to do now at the end of episodes. We just reached 500 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you, listeners. Without doing any real video content. Good job, guys. Yeah. Proud of you for sticking with us. And really, really crappy algorithm. All word of mouth. <laughs> and all word and of mouth. questionable content. And not losing. <laughs> I, I've been watching. Not losing subscribers. That's good. Yeah, I know. You're like, like you're all about the numbers. Well, I like to see the number going up, but it, I, I've yet to see it like go down. Like that's It's good. always just going up. Which and that's is good, not a dare to our listeners. Uh, don't right. make it go down. Tell your friends, because we don't pay share. for advertising. So like, share right. our stuff if you think it's cool. I'm sure somebody you know also likes to listen to George Flounder when he's not seen a movie before. Mm. We need somebody to make us some little TikToks sending, like, something. Should should me and you do the uh, the tortilla challenge or whatever? <laughs> oh, my God. Will you please do the tortilla challenge? <laughs> Let's get the wives to do it. <laughs> no, it's funnier if no. you do it to each other because oh, you're the stars Dude, of the show. Of course, the guy who lives, uh, you know, Dude, states I, away. I will murder you. <laughs> At the tortilla challenge, dude. Okay, you have no I idea. I'm going there. to text Meg, and you guys are going to do this tonight and post it on no YouTube. No, no, I'm not dressed up for it. <laughs> for what? For spitting water out of your mouth? That's all that's going to happen. Uh, do we have tortillas? We'll, though? we'll plan this. We'll we need it. to make a trip to uh, Wegmans. The fad goes away. Now, I mean, just if we do the Harlem Shake. That's a different story. <laughs> Dude, you can do a Harlem Shake. Do all of those like I viral video things. Do an uh, do an ice viral. bucket challenge while you're at it. Oh, <laughs> have you guys? Yeah, have you guys seen? Um, that would be hilarious. Probably not, but um, the sequel to uh, Wreck It Ralph. Yes, Ralph breaks the internet. I think I did. Yeah, it's genius. Well, th- yeah, the the whole thing is Ralph g- is trying to like make money on YouTube, basically. Yeah, because he overbid on a on a. I on a thing on eBay, eBay yes, oh exactly. right, yes, I have seen that. Been there, and um, and I love when he goes to see the algorithm, and he's and she's like, well, like, what are you gonna do? And he's like, I don't know, just like whatever's popular, I'll just do, I'll just copy it. And she's like, that's brilliant, <laughs> so good. So yeah, go go make some videos and send them to me, and I'll post them on the uh, YouTube page. All right, very good. All right, dudes. Well, thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class podcast. You can find us at Facebook.com slash remedial film pod you can email us remedial film pod at gmail.com and you can find us on twitter and instagram at remedial film pod we'll be back next week with the classic 90s action flick the fugitive starring harrison ford (laughs) 